What is up, everyone? Welcome back. Brand new season of the Raise the Apple podcast. Hopefully, we remember how to do this. The lockout's still going on. Spring training's being delayed. We got some Mets news to talk about, some other baseball news to talk about. Probably going to be short little recap slash preview for today, given the fact that within, like, I think the last week and a half or so, pitchers and catchers are supposed to be reported at spring training. Spring training starting, I think, was supposed to start either this week or next week. So, it seems all but certain that we're probably going to have a delay to the start of the season. Their negotiations are currently going on. No progress has been made so far. A little bit of progress, actually, I should say. A little bit of progress has been made, but not enough to end it. And it's pretty much, it seems like it's at a stalemate from an outside perspective looking in. The players know what they want. The league knows what they want. They're both willing to budge, but not as much as the other side thinks they are, if that makes sense. So the players are willing to move a little bit, but not as much as the league is probably expecting them to be willing to move. So with this lockout, no baseball can happen. Minor leagues, I did not know this. I thought this affected minor leagues as well. Apparently, minor league baseball will go on as scheduled, regardless of what happens with Major League Baseball, which makes sense because guys are allowed to sign minor league deals with teams during this, but they're not allowed to sign Major League contracts. So technically, Chris Bryant can go sign a minor league deal with the team right now. He's not going to, obviously, but I I didn't know that. I thought this affected the entire sport, but it's just Major League Baseball, which could be good for minor leagues. Depending how long it goes, it gets the minor leagues more exposure, but overall, this is... I don't have any words anymore, really. I really can't. Everything that I could say has already been said. It's millionaires versus billionaires at this point, and it's really hard to feel for either side. This game's supposed to be about the fans, and I know both sides are trying to have fans in mind, but it really doesn't appear that way. This is supposed to be making the game better. Things are supposed to be making the game better. Like, we have the Universal DH, which will bring in Mike, could potentially lead to a reunion with Michael Conforto, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It's supposed to do things to improve the game, but in actuality, this is making baseball stink. It's driving away fans. It's already plummeting after an unbelievable football season with arguably the best postseason the NFL has had in recent years. NHL, NBA going on right now. The Olympics have just happened. Everyone forgets that is going to forget baseball even exists at this point because of this lockout. So they need to get this fixed. ASAP. By the end of this week, I hope some sort of deal can be made. Manfred is still insistent on the fact that the game's 162-game season will be played with no interruptions. I sure hope he's right because he's already does not have a positive reputation among players and fans. I would hate for that to get ruined any more than it already is. But we have some other news to talk about today, which is why it might be a little shorter. We're going to try and do weekly episodes as best as I can, considering the fact with the lockout, may switch over some coverage towards the minor leagues if the season is delayed. But there are three things I want to talk about today. First of which is kind of a serious matter. Uh, It revolves around our good old buddy, Matt Harvey. So for those of you who have not seen it by now, So, 
Tyler Skaggs was a pitcher on the Angels who tragically passed away 2019? I think 2019 season he passed away. They found him dead in his hotel room. Turned out he had overdosed. It turned out that Tyler Skaggs received these drugs from a member of the team staff. That member of the team staff is now on trial for giving Skaggs the drugs that caused him to overdose. Now, how does Matt Harvey involved in this? The Angels staff member that is on trial right now, and with multiple texts that have emerged, have gotten these drugs from Matt Harvey while he was with the Mets. What's even more crazy about it is then it came to light that when Matt Harvey was with the Mets, he had a serious party addiction, which we kind of all figured. He had a serious cocaine addiction. And apparently, this is what Terry Collins said on SNY, which I know some people have said he should not. There's no place for him to say this. Uh, it's he, that People were glad it finally came to light. But no matter how you feel about it, Terry Collins went to talk about Matt Harvey and this whole situation on SNY and said that Matt Harvey came to him about taking his own life, about committing suicide. And this was all while he was with the Mets. And it it sucks to hear all this kind of stuff happen. Uh, I know, personally speaking, mental health is something that's very important to me. And the fact that Harvey was at that point and the Mets, I don't know who on the Mets besides Terry Collins knew about it. If it was just Terry Collins, did Terry Collins do anything or what did Terry Collins do to help him? If the Mets knew about it, what did the Mets do to help him or did they just cover it up the whole time? It's the stories are out that the Mets knew that Harvey had a serious party problem, which again, we all kind of figured, and a serious drug issue, which is very similar to, for you football fans out there, to Johnny Manziel. Had a huge party, loved partying, partying over football day and night. And it is being portrayed as Matt Harvey was a very similar way, except it was partying over baseball. And this whole situation obviously is horrible. Um, when you look at what the Mets did or didn't do to help Matt Harvey... And then you look at how he le- how he leaves. He gets traded to the Reds for Devin Masaraco. The New York media basically turned fans against Harvey and being like, oh, Harvey doesn't care about the team. He doesn't care about baseball. The Mets need to get rid of him. This and that. They turned all these people, the, the media turned all their fans against Harvey. But in actuality, now I'm not condoning a drug addiction and things like that. I don't. You know, obviously that's that's not okay, but to turn you turned an entire fan base, it's or almost an entire fan base against the pitcher, and it turned out that pitcher didn't even want not only to not be on the team anymore, but to not be alive anymore, and that to me is really sucky. That that is how this has all transpired. Obviously, I hope justice is served for the Skaggs family, but. This whole situation is just a terrible, terrible mess. It is a terrible look for baseball. Um, according to the reports, also CJ Crone is involved in this a little bit. So there's there's a lot going on here. And obviously, as more unfolds, we'll learn more. But the big 
topic is with Matt Harvey and his partying and drug addiction with the Mets and also with the suicidal thoughts when he was with the Mets, which leads to the debate of what did the Mets or what didn't the Mets do to help him. If the Mets knew about it and they did absolutely nothing to help him, that is absolutely horrible. But if they tried doing something but a Harvey didn't like didn't give the same effort back, you know, it's a it's a tough thing. We obviously don't know what happened fully behind closed doors. Regardless how you feel about Matt Harvey, regardless how you feel about Terry Collins going on SNY and disclosing all of this, when probably I could see the argument both ways as to why he did it and why people think he shouldn't have done it. But generally speaking, we don't know what happened fully behind closed doors with Harvey with his mental health issues or with his drug addiction. All we know right now is that he was the original source to the Angels Clubhouse employee that gave the drugs to Tyler Skaggs that ultimately led to Tyler Skaggs being found dead in his hotel room. This whole situation is just horrible. I hope it all gets resolved in the right way. But I just wanted to uh, bring that up, start on a, a little bit of a serious note, but, you know, what it's... It's a t- it's a tough situation, you know. Same, it's not the same, but then you have a tough situation like this. Now you have another tough situation with a guy like Trevor Bauer, who Trevor Bauer, all the charges were dropped on him. So he's, you know, he's not going to be, but he still could face discipline from the league. But all the charges were dropped, and now he comes back. He's already had the media turn half his fans against him as to being a. Uh, sexual predator and then you got the other half of the fans that are supporting him that don't believe what the media is telling people and it's not similar but it is you know the principle of the media maybe spinning stories a certain way or only telling part of the story or not having the full information or pushing a false narrative saw it during the football season too with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers stance on vaccines and you saw how quickly the NFL media turned on Aaron Rodgers, which resulted in half of a lot of NFL fans turning on Aaron Rodgers. And actually, I'm a senior in college, and my final paper for my senior seminar is going to be about this, is media, sports media, and how it portrays the representation it gives athletes and teams and how you know they may spin stories or not tell stories accurately, kind of like diving more into the quote-unquote fake news but in the sports media world not so much in uh regular like politics or anything like that but the whole harvey situation is just a sucky one to be to to have going on right now but on trying to move your transition into somewhat of a lighter note the washington nationals ryan zimmerman mr national is retiring and you have juan soto turning down confirmed by him himself and I'm pulling up the proper amount here sorry if I sound a little sick just got a little allergy starting up again turning down a 13 350 13 year 350 million dollar contract from the Nationals why that's the question right now is the why because he wants more? Is the why because he doesn't want to stay in D.C.? Is the why he just wants to play? He doesn't need that much money? Like, I don't... I doubt it's that one, but 
one it's one of two of these possibilities. Juan Soto wants out of DC or he wants more. Given the general trend of contracts in professional sports, you know, Patrick Mahomes with the half a billion dollar deal, Fernando Tatis and Scherzer and uh, the Mets got a steal with DeGrom, Machado, Harper, Mike Trout's contract. Given the trend, it's leaning more towards he wants more. Now, it could be option C where he does want more, but he doesn't want to be in D.C. either. He wants to get more elsewhere. So Juan Soto has been someone Mets fans have talked about. I do not see that happening at all. The Mets are already over the luxury tax threshold. They're just about, they have the highest payroll already in baseball, just about, if not over the luxury tax threshold. No shot the Mets can pull off a deal to get Juan Soto without unloading a crap ton of money. But this is something that is going to be worth watching because the Nationals are already going to have a struggle, going to struggle in 2022. If you lose Juan Soto, that's a that's a huge, huge addition for any team. Arguably the best pure hitter in baseball. He's got power. He's got an arm. He's young. I, I'm, I'm almost older than him. Or am older than him, but barely. Anyway, this is huge. You know, Juan Soto, he's gambling on himself. You know, he could sign a $350 million contract and completely fizzle out. <laughs> Or he could exceed everyone's expect already super high expectations of him, and the Nationals somehow underpaid him. You know, so he's gambling on himself, similar to what a lot of other athletes do. They like to gamble on themselves. That's why they opt out of when they have player options in their contracts. They'll opt out because they want to to bet on themselves and see how much they can make and go prove themselves. And I think Juan Soto's in the similar spot. Will he leave the Nationals? I do not know. I think my hottest take, if you follow on TikTok at Raise the Apple, I did a 30-part series where I gave five predictions for each team for the 2022 season. I believe one of my Nationals predictions was Juan Soto gets traded, and I think that is my hottest take. I do not think that will happen, but I could see that happening. If he gets traded, it will be a deadline trade. He's either going to get traded or he's going to sign a massive massive extension there's no in between he's either going to get more than 13 350 or he's going to get shipped somewhere else and they're going to extend him to whatever he wants transitioning again staying in the NL East, pretty much entire NL East day the last topic i want to talk about today is our good buddy marcus stroman If you're watching on YouTube and you see my face right now, kind of grinding my teeth a little bit over the Marcus Stroman stuff. So, for those of you who did not see, Marcus Stroman, who's already very vocal on Twitter, as it is, about social justice issues, about his own personal opinions on stuff, uh, sharing, you know, workout videos uh, uh, with motivational stuff and prayers and all this kind of stuff. He's very active, very vocal on social media. Marcus Stroman is. Yesterday, he got a little too vocal on two, 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 two Tuesday. He deleted this one tweet. I so if you're watching on YouTube, I'm reading the tweets directly from Marcus Stroman. The one tweet that he deleted 
Just look at who the Mets hired as their GM. That tells you enough. His lack of awareness in his previous position is being exposed to the public now. I am beyond grateful I'm gone from that organization. God got me. Which then, there was that which he since deleted. And then there was a... Marcus Stroman also interacts with fans a lot on Twitter. So one fan... Um, so Marcus Stroman made a tweet. He ran into Conforto in Arizona. He hopes he gets paid. He's worth every penny. He deserves everything he gets. And a Mets fan commented on it and said, Still holding out hope my babe comes back to New York. Come on, at Mets, come on now. And then Marcus Stroman replied back to this fan and said, I'm hoping he's well paid elsewhere. To which a completely different fan chimed in and said, I guess I would really like to know this. Marcus Stroman was playing for the Mets truly that bad. I have read stuff you have posted since the season ended, and it just seems like you couldn't get out of Queens fast enough. Sorry to hear, though, if it was truly that bad. And Marcus Stroman replied back to the fan, Very, very thankful to be out of there for several reasons. God always got me. Beyond excited to perform for an incredible fan base who appreciates their players at Cubs. And then another fan, Although I understand, it was really heartbreaking to see you leave for all of us left behind, though. It would really help if whatever issues you had here got put on blast. It will help the next Strowman that gets drafted by this organization. At least you had a choice, you know what I mean? Marcus Stroman responded again, the world isn't ready for those answers, to be honest. What that means... Um, I'm willing to bet that negotiations in terms of re-signing between the Mets and the Marcus Stroman did not go very well. Uh, what happened in those, we really have no idea. Stroman's not going to talk, or at least for now. The Mets aren't going to talk. Um, he bashed Billy Epler in the beginning which makes me wonder if he was not on board with the Mets hiring Billy Epler. All this stuff is coming to light now, during the lockout, which in Stroman signed a one-year deal kind of out of nowhere with the Cubs. No one was really thought the Cubs would be a fit for him. But this was after the Mets had signed Max Scherzer. So I'm not one to assume. I don't like to assume, so I'm not going to sit up here and assume, but I am, if that makes sense. If I were a betting man, I'm willing to bet this has something to do with how much money the Mets gave Max Scherzer and how much they weren't willing to give Marcus Stroman. And what I mean by that is the Mets loaded up Max Scherzer. He has the highest AAV contract for a pitcher in baseball history, just passing what Trevor Bauer did last or two off seasons ago now. And then you get Marcus Stroman, the Mets aren't offering him as much as Stroman thought he was worth. And Stroman did not like that. That is what I took from it. I do not think that is the case because I was not in the room. I was not behind closed doors. But I'm willing to bet it had something to do with that or the fact something was said or an argument or some sort of fashion. Because if we remember earlier in the offseason, when the Mets were very close to re-signing Steven Matz before he signed with the Cardinals, that Steve Cohen got in an argument with Steven Matz's agent because Steven Matz's agent kind of just screwed him over. And I'm willing to bet, if it's not the money thing, I wonder if it's somewhat similar, where the Mets, were, whether it was Steve Cohen or Epler, did not get along with Strowman. Maybe there was a messy relationship that none of us really knew about between the front office and Stroh. But 
This is an unnecessary distraction if you're the Mets. If you're Strowman, people are already super divided on him because of his social media habits. This just adds more fuel to the fire on your side. This is just a complete uh, unnecessary distraction, really. Uh, I wouldn't, if you're a Mets fan, I wouldn't pay too much attention to it because the truth will come to light at some point. And it could very well be that the Mets were the idiots in this situation, or it could very well be that Marcus Stroman was the idiot in this situation. So it all depends how you look at it, but looking at it from the outside without knowing any other information but those tweets, my two assumptions, my two guesses are there's not a good relationship between the Mets front office and Marcus Stroman, or the Mets said, we're offering you this, not a penny more, and is not at all, it was severely under what Marcus Stroman was expecting the Mets to give him. And from his thought, he thought he meant more to the team than what he was offered, is what I'm getting at. So either way you look at it, the truth will come out at some point, but this is just an unnecessary distraction. I hate when players like do stuff like that on Twitter. I think it's childish and immature. Now, that's he's not the only player that's done this, so I can't just call out Stroman. Multiple players have done this before. But nonetheless, it's just, again, an unnecessary distraction. It makes you wonder what what really goes on behind closed doors, especially with the Mets, because this seems to happen quite frequently with the Mets. But, you know, what can you do? This is why, this is why it's such a love-hate relationship being a New York Mets fan. But that's pretty much going to wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. We're back for Season 5. Hopefully the lockout ends soon. Hopefully we get real baseball soon. And make sure you guys follow on Twitter, RT underscore pod. Subscribe here on YouTube. Follow on Twitter. And also, we're on TikTok now. More TikTok content will be coming too, so follow on TikTok at Raise the Apple. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Peace out. Let's go Mets. Bang, bang, won't stop till we're legend.